Hello, this is Gary Van Wormerdam with the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. And in this podcast, I'm discussing with Daniel Moore the division that happens in our socialization process of our mind into separate parts that divides our will and divides our consciousness into kind of false identities and the process of dissolving those false identities, those false beliefs of ourselves, and how that is a symbolic death process or actual death of the ego. Where we return back to a greater consciousness and integrity. Some part of me, that's the, that's the topic today some part of me cares isn't that interesting we say that a lot right some part of me cares some part of me wants to do this some part of me is afraid uh part of me feels this and so we always talk about parts of ourselves and this is very typical in things like certain certain therapy programs talk about parts work because like that's not the totality of us that is afraid where a part of me wants to do this, but a part of me doesn't, the conflicts. And today I want to talk about that structure that's both parts and consciousness and emotional and memory and how that puts us into a lot of tension <clears throat> and stress, internal conflict internal narrative stories that can argue back and forth or debate back and forth or suppress each other. Uh, denial, things like that happen because parts of us are doing different things in conflict with each other. And what it is, is we've ended up at a certain point in our life looking around at what our mind is doing, what our emotions are doing. And we have a divided mind. And we have a divided will. Um, you know, and by divided will and mind, I mean like, well, we, we have good intentions, we want to do something, but then we sabotage it. So our energy is going to the sabotage and the behavior of the sabotage we're not following through, but our good intentions want to go forward. So this is one of those, you know, what's really going on here and why is this happening? Things I want to address just to put it out on the table and say, this is how we got here because I think there's can be kind of a relief if if you have a model and you you know why this is happening you go oh okay because just to see your mind do these things well for one people will go i'm i'm crazy if they have more awareness they'll they'll be aware of themselves as consciousness and go oh my mind is crazy my mind is doing completely crazy things or opposing things or contradictory things doesn't make sense and so there should be 
a, a model for this or understanding of this so we can look at that. Okay, well, of course it's doing that. It makes total sense that it's doing that. That's what a, that's what a typical mind does. Uh, I won't say a healthy mind because we have to heal it, but it's what a typical mind does. And I can say for myself, when I really could see my mind and the things that I learned and was operating by, I saw it. I was like, that's crazy. But it's very different to say that from a point of view of consciousness where you're like, oh, that's okay that my mind is crazy. Versus how we typically think of, oh, watching our mind and feeling that we're inside of it pulled in all these different directions and all the emotions and feeling like we're crazy in the middle of the mind. So, uh, and I, I, when I work with clients and they really get to a point and it's like, my mind is crazy. I go, yes, they're, they're progressing in kind of their awareness and consciousness journey to really be separate, really be observer and uh, and can then really make changes in healing in it. So that's where I want to go. Great. Our mind is crazy. We have different parts. It's been divided. And I think you'd have to explain that a little bit here. And uh, and you, we're not our minds. And you see our mind is divided and our will is divided. So you, you, you see that as separate or intertwined? Yes. Yes, they're separate. There are two different kinds of energy uh, that happen in the formation. And the our consciousness is divided into our mind. So let's talk about just these three different qualities, consciousness, uh, our mind, and our will. Okay. And how... They structure. So we'll talk about consciousness. And we, we talked about like, what are we interview topic a couple interviews ago. Consciousness is this, let's, let's think of it as a cloud. This, this cloud of awareness. And we can take that cloud of aware and we can direct it to say, what our feet are feeling. And that cloud of awareness is going, oh, these are the feet. I can perceive what the feet are feeling. I can put my awareness on my breath. And oh, now I notice what the breath is doing and how the breath feels. Okay. I can put my awareness attention on what I'm hearing. And now it's a our attention's in kind of the sense of listening or our attention and therefore our consciousness is on the, maybe what we're seeing. And our consciousness, while on saying something we're listening to or seeing, we're not very aware of what our feet are feeling. We're not very aware of what our emotions are feeling. We're not very aware of maybe other people in the room. You know, we can be in a conversation with somebody in a busy room and just have block everything else out. Okay. Or we can be, we can be uh, someplace trying to really listen to somebody and 
the voices in our head are so loud, our attention's kind of occupied there. So there's a way to be aware of multiple things uh, or singular things, depending on where we focus consciousness, wherever we put that cloud okay, of awareness, consciousness. So where attention is, that's what our consciousness experiences. And so, yeah, we could be at a coffee shop. We can hear other people talking. We can listen to our thoughts, read a book, mm -hmm. hear the background music. That's what we experience. Yeah. And very often our unconscious mind, say we're driving in a car very typically, uh, our unconscious mind has got this routine of automated driving skills down to such thing. We're often daydreaming in our mind having a conversation on the phone or uh, in our own head, an imaginary conversation about a meeting that's coming up, something that just happened. And we're, we get to our destination and we're like, Oh yeah, I don't remember driving here. So our unconscious is doing things automatically because we've, we've done it so many times our brain has offloaded that to these automatic routines. So our mind has this conscious awareness, things that we're perceiving and sensing or thinking. And then it has these automatic routines in the unconscious, which are things it's done habitually and can do automatically. So there's consciousness floating around, moving around. And then there's, and if you think about just neural pathways in the brain, say driving, some of those neural pathways in the drain of brain of where you're feet move and how much you press the gas and the brake and stopping at stoplights. These are automated responses and the brain's firing and we don't have to consciously make our foot do that. We've consciously made our foot do it enough time that the neural pathways in the brain automatically firing and it's automated. Yeah. So as much as we say this is happening in the mind and, uh, and with consciousness, some things are unconscious, but there's a there's a system of neural pathways and synapses firing in this whole thing. Yeah, like when we learn how to drive, we have to consciously be aware of it at the beginning. And then at a certain point, it kicked onto automatic and our mind's just doing that yeah. on its own. And this is for anything we do automatically. Uh, much of our thinking is automatic. Much of our speaking is automatic. Our walking, eating, uh, typing. So playing an instrument, all those things are automatic. So most of what we're doing is automatic. All right. So now there's another energy that's related to will and it's, it's how we use our will that eventually divides and becomes a divided will. And this has to do with the power of, and I'm gonna use kind of will and faith uh, simultaneously together. I mean, they're both our personal power. And we can say it's made up because we can't measure it, but there's a lot of things we can't measure. We can't measure gravity directly, right? So, but we're pretty sure it all exists. We see the impact and effects of it. So will, faith, these are the power of our conviction, our motivation, 
our drive. This is kind of the internal energy that moves through us that maybe we notice it when we get really angry. We're like, ah, and we're driven to do something and throw things and break things. Okay, we feel all that energy coming through that then forms an action. But we can also have that will be expressed as a passion, uh, a certainty, conviction, that we then defend our ideas. So we can, we can take our faith, a certainty of conviction, and we can put it into an idea, something being right, something being wrong, then creating this feeling of injustice. So I am this way, I'm not this way. So there's these internal energy that can drive us internally, and that will, faith, conviction can go into an idea right you see people passionate about their politics they're passionate about their relationship who wrong them being right you can go into an idea so there's that internal energy that infuses an idea and and makes that idea powerful and alive right that's that Let's say somebody really insists on their opinion or point of view, and they're putting a lot of will into it. Or, or you know, somebody says like, "F that guy," and there's, there's like, there's that certain... guy's an ass," and you can feel the energy with it. That will. they they are absolutely certain, and you try and change their mind, their opinion is not going to change because it's backed by this power that holds it in place, right? And then there's other ideas where like, yeah, maybe that's true, maybe it's not true. So, oh, you got some evidence? Oh, okay. Yeah, all right, I'll look at it that way, right? You, It's not held rigidly, mm -hmm. meaning there's not power holding it in place, mm. okay? And this is a thing we, we that happens to us over time. We, <laughs> Miguel, those, I, I, I think it's a lot of the values lost on it. He used to talk a lot about opinions and just, the absolute waste of energy with it. The more opinions we acquire, the more rigid becomes all of those points of conviction to where we have very little flexibility in thought. It's like all of our thinking is automatic thinking then. It's all reactive based on these rigid structures that mm. hardly move that we've put in place. Mm. So there's, depending on how rigidly you attached how much energy you've put into that opinion um, or you put very small, then it's easy to move. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think just like we've seen that where you have like an opinion, I think everybody must've had that experience if they have some self-awareness of it, where somebody tells them something and their mind already prepares an answer, not really listening even to the other person's case, because the mind is so convinced of its case that it just is preparing to blurt it out. At least probably everybody did it and, and that probably everybody experienced it. Most of listening and for a lot of people I observe is that they're just waiting for a chance to give their case. You know, and they're trying to hold hold back their mind. And, and, and a lot of times they just interrupt before a person finishes anyway. So, but that's 
Oh, I mean, you 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 watch the the news in the in, in the states these days, or it's like the news shows demonstrate that. Everybody's yelling at each it's, other. It's the example of how people have conversations. It's a terrible example. It's not a conversation. Nobody's listening. Which goes to the the term metote. Miguel introduces in uh, in the book before agreements. Metote is a, it's a cacophony of voices, like a marketplace. Everybody's talking and no one's listening. So, uh, and that's that's a lot of times a chatter in our mind is metote. It represents that. So. The the other element is to how do you start to come together? Our consciousness, will, and the mind, and fixed points come together. Is as we're growing up, domestication. We have experiences in our life, and the experiences in life that are the most formative are the emotional ones, traumatic ones, nervous system regulating or dysregulating ones. Those that have the strongest feeling to them. And uh, let's let's say we were bullied, okay? We go to school, we're bullied. That that in our brain, depending on how much support we feel we have or don't have, how alone we feel, our brain or our body might perceive that as life threatening, okay? Our when we fall in love, our heart opens up. I mean, that blasts so many neural pathways in the in our brain and our nervous system. Okay, or the inevitable heartbreak. That's very painful and blasts a lot of emotional energy with that. Those are emotional experiences. And if we just had those and we didn't remember we'd go off and live in the moment. But we have the ability to remember. And we have the ability to tell a story about those emotional experiences. And when we tell a story or we we remember something, those are two different things. Okay? If I sit here and I remember being bullied, I remember being made fun of, I remember a broken heart or fallen in love, I just experience it again. And this is the interesting one of the interesting things about consciousness. Take a moment to like re- remember, go to a memory. You can just remember what you, what food you ate earlier today or today. I got a memory. Okay. You can remember being in love. Yeah. You can remember like, when it first happened, you can remember a heartbreak. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So when you go back to that, what kinds of things do you remember? Did you see something? Yeah, I see, I feel. See, you feel emotionally? Yeah. Feel it in your body physically? Emotionally. Yeah. Do you hear... Maybe there's a song soundtrack that goes with it or certain words and conversations that happened. Yeah, they put your colors to it. Yeah. Okay. So you go back to a memory and the neural pathways. So what happens when we review a memory? 
our consciousness is traveling to this cluster, that's how I think about it, cluster of neural pathways firing in the brain. And they're firing again as similar to where they did when it happened. They're refiring. They're playing visual components, auditory components, emotional yeah. components. These are all different parts of the brain that fire and bring them together to form this memory. And your consciousness is perceiving a refiring replay of something that's just really the neural pathways in your brain firing again in your nervous system, your body feels it. Yes. Okay. So your consciousness right now is perceiving a memory. And yeah. you can go to, you know, a different memory and your consciousness moves something else and your consciousness you know pick something that's like a place you travel to boom yes boom and plays the movie soundtrack feeling in the body emotion people who were there visuals right food yeah. you ate you probably remember the food you ate <laughs> yeah okay. right and you are re-experiencing it Okay, as a feeling experience in your body. Triggered yes. by the section, just triggered by the su suggestion, hey, a place you traveled to and the food you ate there. Boom, boom, boom. Recreate Bam. the experience, see that. feeling, seeing. Walking in New York, music, even have the song New York. You know that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's memory. And then if you start to say, oh, I was walking in New York and here was the music that was playing. Now you're telling a story about being there. Well, now I'm using language and that's when you see it as a story. Yes. You're describing the, the experience of consciousness going into memory. You're explaining it, describing it, using language. Now it's a story. You're thinking okay. about it. Even if you don't tell me, you're thinking about it. Oh, yeah, I was in New York. And when was that? And what was it about then? And who was I with? And Now okay. you're telling a story. So now I'm going for like pure imagery. I guess I think like is the right side of the brain, kind of just imagery and feeling. To now kind of left side, like I have thoughts about it. And, and there's a story and description. Right. So now let's start to combine some things. You have an experience. You're bullied. Uh, now you afterwards tell a story about it. Okay. This was unfair. This was terrible. He could have killed me. Okay. Or I uh, hate that guy. I'm going to kill that guy. Uh, I'm going to show him. You know, I got to figure out a way to get back to them, you know, or we say, I can't go to school tomorrow. I can't let that happen again. You know, now it's looking we, for a way it's playing the memory, but now the story is about how do I avoid this in the future? How do I beat the guy or how do I get away from the guy? And we might or, have all of them. 
We probably will have all of them. We probably we probably will have all of them. Oh, all the other people saw me and they're gonna know, and that's so embarrassing, and I'm shamed. So we'll have anger, we'll have shame, we'll have fear, we'll have strategies to avoid it, strategy to beat him. So we tell say five different stories about it. Yes. And these are like reactionary stories to the memory. Exactly. They are they we had the memory. But now we have five different stories about the memory. Like what it means, what to do about it. What kind um, of person I am. I'm weak. I'm a loser. I'm wimp. You know, every I'm sh- embarrassment, shame. Yes. We, okay. Imagining people are judging me is now the new, is the story. And that creates a new Not memory. That doesn't necessarily happen, but we imagine that might have happened. We, ima- we imagine it happening and then we here's the thing then we take this power that i talked about this conviction this ability to have mm. a very rigid opinion and we believe it did happen people did really see me and are judging me and laughing at me i am really weak I really have to beat him up to go prove myself. I'm so angry. He hurt. I'm going to go do this to him and do that to him. I'm going to prove myself. I'm afraid of what other people think. All of this is now, because the memory is so much emotion strong, the conviction we tell these stories with is really strong. And it's mm. really important to defend ourselves, figure out how not to go to school, how so it doesn't happen again. You know, so we that, put a lot of that conviction, will, faith in all of those stories. Our will, our conviction, our faiths. We have to do all these things. All of these things happen. All of these emotions were real. All of this is important and I have to figure out how to avoid it tomorrow because it's the mind is also anticipating how do I avoid pain and, and painful, uncomfortable things. And so it's like, it, now it's thinking about tomorrow and what do I got to do to avoid it tomorrow and the next day and the next day, particularly if that's with repetition, right? And so all of these agendas of what I have to do are now in place and they're very rigid because this was very painful and therefore very important and therefore we drive we're driven Hmm. to put our will into all these agendas okay and now something and now something else happens within all these agendas of anger is an idea of ourselves i'm going to do this to him i was really i'm afraid of meeting him again and we have an image of ourselves as that's a different afraid. idea we have a shame and embarrassment version everybody saw us and i was weak and i can't show my you know this is embarrassing that's a version of ourselves how do i escape and avoid this version of ourselves so now not only do we have these say five agendas we have five false personas of ourselves Ah, it's five self-beliefs, personas or ourselves of who we are with images and beliefs with based images on all these different stories. And emotion and feelings and stories. And they are all 
fueled with this drive, say, for survival. We, this yeah. is so important. We need to do this to survive. So all of that yeah. will and conviction that might go into something that's as strong as opinion, this is much stronger. This is now what our mind says is our identity. Yes. And not only have we put will and faith into this as our identity, we are inside of it as consciousness perceiving the story, the memory from the point of view of the victim, I'm afraid, the shame, I'm embarrassed, the anger, I'm angry, the I got to get away. We so Now this is have, like what I am. We have this conviction, this is what I am. So we have our consciousness in there and our conviction, our personal power in there. And now mm. in this one event, our consciousness is divided into five different versions and our will is invested in those five different versions of a false self. And so our will and consciousness are now spread into five, what I call characters or sub-personas from this memory. So there's like five different I am X versions of ourselves instead of just I am, like consciousness, I am angry and gonna hurt him. I'm afraid to be hurt again. I wanna avoid this. I am a shameful person. I feel ashamed and people are probably laughing at me. Yes. And we have, our will goes into all of them and we move between them. Are, are We are convinced that we are all of them in the version of the story and our consciousness perceives that that's who we are. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. because we make this agreement, this is who we are unconsciously kind of we believe the narrative oh i'm so angry we can kind of hypnotize ourselves by the agreement to invest some will some our personal power into that being our identity and we trap part of our consciousness you know that cloud that i said is consciousness that we put anywhere part of that cloud goes inside that identity and now is trapped in there yeah. So that has me thinking to thoughts. So hold on that... a sec. So we have, say we have the angry persona and it's like, I'm a really, so it's like, we say years later after being bullied, I'm a really angry person. What are we saying? We're saying that based on an identity where we infuse this sense of I am consciousness into this angry persona. And with our, conviction of faith and power of will we've like really made it a very solid rigid persona so much so that if we think about it we go oh yeah that's what i am and feels yeah. like feels like us because part of our consciousness is still there so it's easy to identify as this part and say i'm an angry person when we're not no we have a persona that acts out it sometimes and that persona we might have carried throughout the years, done things with, and we put more will and faith in that persona. Yes. Okay. So what's, once it's formed and we all form these, what's much easier next time for that angry persona to come out, act out, or whenever we're angry inside or something else happens, even if we never act out in anger for a long time, we have that anger bottled up inside. We're like, oh boy, I'm an angry person inside and I better not let it out. 
And each, even every time we say that, we're kind of reinforming the narrative, I am an angry person, and we hypnotize ourselves, more faith into the idea that that, that idea of it of ourselves as an angry person is what we are. So there's this hypnosis, and we're training this version of ourselves that then sits in the subconscious, and we go about our life, and now a moment you know, those things that we've just put in the subconscious or automatic programs sometimes can come out very quickly automatically with anger and surprise us. You know, and then when it does, we tell the stories, oh, see, I'm an angry person. Yes. When it's, you put a lot of will in it and it just comes back like that. Right. And now if you take, say, events from childhood and you start building the repetition because now that I'm an angry person or I've been angry, it's easy to add it be angry at other things because we've kind of established that persona. It's easy to get angry about other things because it's ready to be on automatic, right? It's automatically going to come out whenever somebody is threatening of us, somebody is intimidating us, or we don't like somebody. Our brain goes to, oh God, it was like that time I was afraid. Uh... And I'm afraid here, I'm going to be angry at this person because I don't want them, to, I need to push them away and make myself it goes into that same learned response goes in that same learned response reinforces and now the neural pathways that are firing every time we do this every time we tell a story or every time we have an instance that triggers this what happens the neural pathway gets stronger and stronger and stronger and we put more will and faith that that's a thing we have more emotions that's a thing and we have more consciousness invested in that persona and less and less consciousness to sit outside and go wow that's a part that's not me that's just a part of me that has this agenda learned and has been repeating it for years so to sit back in mm -hmm. consciousness in the big cloud with lots of space is harder to do because more and more of our cloud of consciousness is now residing inside the persona and the big cloud that could sit back and just perceive is getting smaller and smaller mm. because more has gone into these sub-personas, anger, shame, fear, runaway, escape, judgment. That Yeah, that's the conditioned consciousness, right? It, and then there's the unconditioned. You see, more we do these patterns, more a lot of our consciousness becomes conditioned in that way. Yes. Until, say, we're in adulthood, we're almost... We've made so many agreements about our identity. We're doing so many things in automatic and our consciousness has been distributed into these ideas of ourself. I'm an angry person. I'm not good enough. They're judging me. Okay. I've got to go prove myself. I got to make everything perfect. So invested in all these different versions of ourselves that we only really see as hinted at in the stories. I, this, they're thinking this about me. They'll probably do this to me, right? We reference I and me, but we're not really talking about I and me present moment. We're talking about all the different personas are having this conversation about each other's characters and themselves as characters, right? And we just spend the time reinforcing uh, because we believe the thinking, our thinking, that's really just these 
the mind's thinking in the in the form of these personas, we end up believing their thinking, the mind's thinking, and keep reinvesting our faith, and this is where we're trapped. Hmm. And we could say a lot of these personas kind of make up the ego, and this is why it's difficult to see the ego, because we say, no, I am my mind. Uh, this is me. And we are not identified with consciousness. We're identified with the various characters we formed over years. Yeah. Yeah. All that conditioned consciousness and ideas of ourselves, we think that's what I am. And you know, it's funny. And, and we funny. are. And so now if we take that big ball of awareness that we, if you see a baby, you you have this sense of like, God, there's just this, this bubble of awareness. They're just sitting there perceiving everything, right? Yes. There's just like, they have this radiance of like, I just taking everything in, you know? And that's what's gone into these different agreements. We call it agreements or beliefs about what we are from emotional experience. Uh, and so you take that big cloud and now it's over years shrink down to hardly anything left is to sit and perceive and be present with. And it's all distributed into the mind combined with will generating stories that that's who we are. And will is really the power in it because otherwise it's just ideas but that light of the baby gets smaller over time because it puts so much will into those ideas that that light is infused with those ideas. Will, will and faith. And that's the essence, will and faith. It's will and faith. To me, there are two different kinds of energy, but yeah, they essentially are both forms of our personal power of make-believe. And, and... Okay. So that that's really where the light kind of get smaller when I imagine is because you put all that energy into those agreements because otherwise it's just a thought but when you put all that will and faith now it has a lot of power in it yeah yeah because you know if I if I told you a thought a thought has no power until we put faith in it if I tell you they I measured the earth and it's uh 23,450 miles around like you're like okay and i'm like oh no daniel i, re I, I read that wrong it's twenty three thousand five hundred fifty miles around how dare you you'd be, you'd be like <laughs> well most people are like well okay throughout the 450 except the 550 because you have no emotional attachment it's just information that's a thought you swap it out really easy. Some people like you a little more attached. How dare you? Oh, you feel how like dare you, how you. dare you get it wrong? How dare you make a mistake? Uh, is... Okay. <laughs> what part of you feels offended that, you know, I. You know. <laughs> okay. okay. So that's an idea. It's easy to swap out. But one you're attached to, you have invested faith in, is harder. One that you've invested consciousness in. And faith as an identity is even harder because, well, the brain, the 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 mind. Well, that's who I am. You can't. I can't let myself go. Who would I be? What would I be? I die. You dream it, like you think yeah. you're that identity. You think and believe you're that identity. Yeah, like I, this person, will die if I stop being angry or afraid or 
and you don't in see truth, that that's just in, the conditioning. Well, and in truth, it is in the conditioning, but in truth, in a sense, a part will die. But what happens is that consciousness that's identified with an angry person, well, that will come out. You're like, okay, I'm not that person. The idea, since it's no longer powered by faith and will, will come out. Consciousness comes out. And that idea no longer has power. And the neural pathways in the brain that used to fire automatically no longer fire in the same way. So they aren't as active. So there is kind of a mini death in a way or a symbolic death of what is really the ego or parts of the mind dying, fading, anyways. And then that faith and will also come back for you to yeah. use three. Yeah. So while the... Way. While the persona identity says, I will die, what actually happens is you as consciousness actually get stronger because you get your will and your faith and your consciousness back. So you get more power, you get more consciousness, and you grow that great bubble of awareness again. Mm. And your will and your consciousness is not as divided every time you dissolve one of these false beliefs of your identity. And then, right, you have more freedom and flexibility in how you respond like, and think and act and feel. Yeah, your subperson and... exactly, your subpersonality characters are not doing automatic responses and can't because they they don't have control over your will. No, I'll share like, you know, when I started this work and I have a lot of trauma, like I would have, a, I would try to do these imagination kind of meditations. Like I would literally feel something blocking me from imagining freely. Like in my mind's imagination were like walls blocking me from actually imagining anything. So like my mind was so stuck at what it is used to perceiving. Mm -hmm. and and then over time releasing 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 now i can go crazy with my imagination and there's not a lot of these walls anymore so it's kind well, of like that. crazy in a good way with your imagination crazy wild in a good and way. fun and imagine playful yeah, yeah. oh and, good and and so it's kind of like taking that taking myself as an example it's kind of like i had all these identities and ideas and faith and will invested in them so they blocked me from having flexibility to and how I want to dream and imagine and feel. And then when I let those go, I get that power back. I can now do it. There's no, none of that block, none of that imaginary walls in my mind. That's very much how it works. A lot of times people start out, it's hard for them to imagine being happy or getting there or changing a job or changing something in life. They just It's, it's a lot of times struggle for people to imagine things to be different. Or they, they could be different or sometimes to remember how it used to be to be happy because the mind is so rigid in its stories holding attention and consciousness in say wounds and anger and hurt and shame and fear that it's like oh that's the, like those characters those personas sub characters think that that's reality and then oh you ever being happy in your life was like oh no that's not reality like they dismiss yeah. real other memories of being happy and say, 
because they live in this bubble where they have their own reality what they call reality and i think that's we should just dispense with that word because nobody knows what it means <laughs> anyways or we could okay. say each of them have their own reality in that yeah. way all right so now we'll go one step further okay so that's one event let's say being bullied so we talk and it's like that's a strong event lots of strong emotions uh and where you end up with these personas or what i call characters so now let's say you had multiple events in your life that were emotional they were heartbreak okay or lost money gambling or uh People criticizing, failed a class at school. Whatever, whatever is the the experiences, each one sets up a chance for previous characters to activate and reinforce. Something's unfair. Something's an injustice. I'm angry at them, or to create more layers mm. of stories. That then are like, oh, I can't be an angry person. I can't let that control me. And we repress emotions. If I feel that emotions, I don't know what will happen. I'll go crazy. I'm afraid. So we build up protective layers to repress those emotions and try and control these characters mm -hmm. of emotion. We denial. We say, I can't let myself feel that. And we, so we start stacking these other layers of energy to compensate and, and just... for these reactions so they don't come out automatically. And maybe we have 10 or 20 or 30 of these personas, characters, all in autopilot, doing what they're doing. Now imagine, so and our consciousness and our will is deposited in each one. And you can kind of think of like balls sitting out in space. You know, they're, they're held there by the rigidness of our faith that those are fixed and that's the way things are and they aren't going to change. And this is who I am. And so we have these little identities. We can run into their points of view waiting in the unconscious, right? They're held there by our will and faith and our consciousness is distributed. The clouds now fixed in these 30, 40 points, whatever it is. But now they don't live in isolation. They are, in conflict with each other. They're supporting each other. They're networked. They're in tension with each other. It's like now we start connecting rubber bands from one to the other. The part that's ashamed and wants to run away says, no, we can't do that. Another judge says, no, we can't do that. That'll be embarrassing. What will people think? We got to go fight this guy. We got to prove ourselves. And so anytime we get a runaway strategy, avoid it. The other part says, no, I'm going to beat him up. I got to prove myself. I got to be good enough. I'll show them. That rubber band goes into tension between those two points. And now we feel tension. And so you start taking these individual personas that are these balls. And each one that wants to do something will then kind of affect another one that doesn't want to do it. Oh, no, we don't want to change that. This will happen. And so now you mm -hmm. start stretching rubber bands between two points and another two points, and each one gets stretched to four or five points around it. 
because it's going to upset the status quo. So anytime you go to try and change a belief or idea of yourself, you're like, oh, these other things are activated, almost like they're pulling it back into place. Right? Like if we got rid of all our self-judgment, excuse me, if like we got rid of all uh, self-judgment, but we only got rid of like feeling like a victim. Right? I'm not going to feel a victim. I'm not going to receive the judgment. The judge would go, yes, you are. <laughs> That's your job to receive this. You've been receiving this for years. You know, and if you don't do that and you don't receive that, I won't have anything to do. So it needs a character to play the victim to our judge voice. Right? And if and the I judge invite people like to imagine this as they like like I'm imagining stay, this stay with me. Stay with me. And if we if we so so the judge needs the victim character, and if we take the victim. We say, and we say, or excuse me, and we, we take away the judge, the victim will go, well, I need that judge back because it defines me. It reinforces that I'm here. It will, I need people to believe the narrative that that's what I am or else I'll stop getting faith. I'll stop getting the conviction and will. My consci consciousness will then dissolve out of this. It'll cease to exist. So this is where the mind or ego is in self-preservation mode. Rubber bands spread between 30 or 40, you know, sub-character personas, all in tension with each other, keeping the game going. And that's a normal mind. A typical mind, not normal in a way of a healthy mind but normal in its typical common, this is what most people are living with. And when they go to try and meditate, they're challenged by it. When they try and change a habit, they're challenged by it. And they feel themselves in tension, difficult to change habits, and feel probably fragmented, not really knowing who they are, not feeling centered, because their consciousness is distributed, their will is divided, into these false ideas of self. That to me is kind of the false belief system and why I've spent so much of the work on belief systems. Like that makes up the belief system of what we believe we are, which is completely false. That then gets complicated. It's might as well know where we're at. What we what what's the lay of the land? That's fun. Kind of fun to reclaim it all back. It's fun. Continue, you know, continuing to live with it is not. But yeah, if you decide to reclaim it back, you're like, okay, let's go on an adventure. And this is this is the hero's journey that I spoke about in the podcast once. It's like we're going on a journey to reclaim our own will, 
from all these false sense of self, our will, our power, our faith, dissolve these beliefs, return our consciousness to our, our, our present day present self and really become whole again. And yeah, when you when you find a piece of when you get over the hump of that fear of death or fear of loss of a part and you and you really dissolve it anyways and you can feel your power come back to you and you feel more centered and you have an expanded consciousness because your kind of central present consciousness cloud just got bigger. Yeah, it's a thrill. It is a thrill. It feels like you're more whole again, like yourself. Yeah. That's why it's hard to make changes, right? Because you want to make a change and you have all these different parts. If they're not, if you haven't worked with them, they're going to pull you in, in the direction they want to pull you. And then your whole will is divided between that. And especially if you have a lot of them, it's hard to move forward. Very much so. And so this this is where what you're what you're up against is this basically a structure that's resisting you. Your belief system is resisting your own desire for change. And yes. it's a belief system that we created. It's a structure that we made powerful. You know, a lot yes. of times people say, well, it's hard, it's big, it's powerful. You know, they feel overwhelmed. Like, like, well, how powerful are you? You created it. Like, so whatever you think it is, you're more than that. Yeah, that's our will and faith in there. You know, if you can do, and this is one of my discoveries when I was like realizing how miserable I was and took some responsibility for it. I was like, I'm miserable. And this is me. And this is my mind doing this stuff. And I'm like, I was like, oh, wow. And I took responsibility and I was like, ouch. But after I sat with responsibility for a while, I began to feel this like power. And I was like, well, this is strange. And then I realized, well, if I can create a mind that can do that unconsciously, not knowing what I was doing, then what could I do if with consciously, intentfully do then that was like, okay, I got to try. So there's this, once you accept responsibility, this is my mind, this is my creation. And I did this in one of the energy trainings, like accept responsibility. You start to recover power and then you're like, okay, then I can, I can make another change. As we invest so much power in there that we believe we're powerless or we don't feel it. But then as you kind of do the work, I think you reclaim your power back. Like it's like a snowball. It's like over time, the more you pop a lot of these bubbles or integrate a lot of these parts, you feel you have more power to make more changes and more changes. And you build, you, I mean, well, like you build your personal power over time and you feel you have it more and more. Absolutely. And you know, and, I'm, and I'll just point out too, 
and we're thinking, I feel powerless. And if we change that to step outside, move into the big cloud and say, oh, there's a part that feels powerless. There's a part that says it is powerless. powerless. There's a part that believes it's powerless to change this. And if you step outside of that, now you have a chance to like not believe it. You're like, oh, that's a part. Is it true? No, not true. Is it and telling a story? Power. It's telling a story. Right. And you're moving into power when you move your consciousness out of the part that says it's powerless. So how many times have we done that? Thousands, tens of thousands. Believe what we think. That you have to like by repetition catch every little one. It's like, okay, now I feel powerful, like just even for that moment. And what are you doing? You're building new neural pathways. You're like seeing things differently. Your consciousness is moving bigger. And that powerless part just got a little weaker because you didn't you you didn't put any more faith into it. It you had a chance to make it bigger and right there you just didn't let it get bigger. May it might still be there, but at least it's not gotten bigger. And it's starting to yep. lose your momentum. So every little bit matters. So and like you feel different. I want to emphasize that it's not just like you change the way you think about it, but you literally feel different when you step out of it. Oh yeah. yeah. To me, that wasn't obvious in the past, you know. But you actually you feel you have power suddenly. It's like magic. Yeah. Well, you and you saw it with me yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So I, sh I show up and I bring that power at different times and you, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, power feels different at agency and an extended expansion in awareness, consciousness feels different. Absolutely. Sal, you, you step out of the stories, you feel you have power, and then you feel you can make more changes. And that's fine. And I think one of the the, the self-mastery course I put together was right to the, the core of this in a way. And the recapitulation series both are about seeing these structures of false characters, stepping outside of them, just taking your faith out of the stories, getting your consciousness back to present self, getting your energy back that you've, the, the will you've divided into all these places in the mind and the consciousness that's divided, getting it back. So your own consciousness and presence expands and your power expands. I actually have been doing your work for many years, but I, I feel like I'm, I understand it more deeply now. You explain it this way. Maybe, Gary, I don't know if it would be helpful, but I could give some examples, even from my own life, of how that looks like. Because you know, for me, when I listened to your podcast early on, I learn best from examples and and when you explain it sometimes it seemed a bit like theory and then i always wish like i wish you could have someone give some examples far away give me an example of how this works how this fits i give two examples from my life one one i could give with just how hard it is or harder it is uh how would you phrase it 
how it could be challenging to make a change when you have all these different parts um, grabbing you to and different identities grabbing you to do what they, they want. Like, you know, f- for years, I wanted to eat healthier. And now I do, but it took a while and since I committed to it, to doing it because I would intend to eat healthier and then I would have like so many parts of my mind resisting that with different reasons. Like, don't do it. Uh, you know, coping mechanisms that are threatened now that I'm not going to use eating or just my identity as somebody who has no self-control being threatened suddenly by me putting a boundaries on what I eat. There was an identity, we call it character identity, that was convinced it had no self-control. And so now if you were going to exercise this discipline, it was reactive. So now you have, so this is beautiful because this is how I'm going to exercise some discipline control. And now you see the rubber band of this, how this is connected to, oh, I don't have self-control. I'm weak going, no, because this threatens it. Threatened. Threatened. Good. And it's very hard, you know, uh, it didn't have to be so it's not really, really, but because I didn't really put an emphasis on it in my work, it was kind of a side thing that I wanted to do. Then I, it took me years to really integrate that. And because I never, I think it would have been a lot faster if I decided, okay, I want to check out what's going on here. But it wasn't such a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. But over the years, just unloading, not even focusing on it, just doing the work. I found myself and still having that intention to eat healthy. I found over the years just less and less resistance until it's, it was even unnoticeable to change. Just one day, I think I was at a wedding about a year back to change really occurred. And, and I just, you know, there's tons of foods, you know, at wedding and I just, I feel full. And you might usually go to is if there's food, I feel full, I still eat if I haven't tried it. And I had just no impulse to eat anymore. And I was like, there's a little bit of resistance again of that identity of like, no, but you're somebody, it's literally like that. Like you're somebody who always eats, you know, when there's food, like, are you going to be different now? And I caught it. And I was yeah, like, yeah, but, it, but it's like different. a, sm- it's a much smaller voice. Doesn't have much smaller much by then. And you're more the observer of it going, huh? Who are you talking to me like that? Yeah. That's a very, cause your consciousness is bigger. And so the voice sounds and looks different. And has less, and you have more power, so it has well, less impact when it tries to pull you into it. So yeah, your relationship changes as you grow. Go ahead. Exactly, exactly. And, and so I was just like, well, I want to. It says like, no, but you're always somebody who does that. And I was like, well, I want to be different now. I want to be somebody who doesn't eat when he's full. And and that was, and after that, I barely had any resistance anymore to to that. And it's now naturally I. I much listen to my body. It feels gross to eat when I fall, which is really like a change. I just don't feel like it. Um, Because I had more will. And you probably don't remember this, but on my third session with you ever, I asked you about if you could help me with this habit of eating healthier. And you told me, no, not yet, because it's better when you have more personal power back. Um, So we worked on something else. And so eventually, I, I never actually got to working with you on it, but it got resolved over time as I had more personal power back. So correct the window. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising the number of things when you go work on certain things that are in front of you, other things you want to change will just change. And you're like, oh yeah, don't do that anymore. Yeah. Sugar. Just, just 
Because because think think about this. Let's say you you have this one part that says, "Oh no, I don't have any disciplinary will," right? And well, you you recovered so much from you know process and cleaning all those agreements and beliefs and getting the energy and consciousness back. Will was stronger. So then you looked at this belief and it was like almost like you could look at it and go, "Well, I'm not that guy." Identity change, faith comes out, boom dissolves very quickly right but now think about this that identity false identity was connected by rubber bands to other characters right how many other things was it affecting in your life saying oh no you don't have the discipline to do that you don't have the will to do that right i fear and now so now when you dissolve that character you start to dissolve, take away the rubber bands of four or five things it's connected to about meditation and listening and coaching and building your business and, you know, whatever you're doing, exercise and going to the gym and getting rid of the next thing and the food list and sugar, right? It's like, it's, it's now no longer sabotaging and speaking up when you go to change those other things, right? So all of those things that it's connected to, have now gotten weaker because they aren't reinforced as much. Yes. So it's there's much this easier. There's freedom. So as you as you dissolve one, one agreement, which is or relationship with a band, or you take out one persona, then like the next one, it's easier, and you have more will. And consciousness with to see it and to challenge it. Yes. Yes. And it's funny on the other side of Reverend, I had a super disciplined part that would know it was really like really strict about things. And then it was a, a work on, and maybe I could use some more on it, like dissolving that and, and finding my way where it's like freedom, there's no rules. And it was like, it was fanatic, it was fanatical. Fanatical, yeah. exactly. Because actually, before I, I went into no discipline about eating, there was a period I was super disciplined about it. Yeah. And I was like, like keto and no fun in it. You know, some people enjoy it and that's great for them. But like super disciplined. Okay. Is there another example when you give about how these multiple personas are intertwined? Yeah. Yeah. I could give, you know, my own trauma or sexual abuse. I could give. Like I, I know... Even last session with you, I, I had more clarity about this. Like there was this, like almost like this one child. And then he's kind of feeling whole and integrated. And then he goes through an event or a series of events. And then he has suddenly to deal with that, those events, because they're painful. I could see for myself, like my own inner child kind of split off into so many different parts to manage it. And like one was denying that it ever happened. One was angry. One was sad. One was afraid, one was ashamed, one was denying the shame and denying the denial. And like to deal with that, my mind literally spilled off into so many different parts, fighting each other often because then the anger fights the freeze response and the fear response fights the anger and the denial fights them all. And I could see how like this one child, it feels like great, spilled off into so many like fanatical parts to handle that event. And then just to give an example of then how that looks like after, then that means that, okay, yeah, okay, sexual abuse is over, but then like I'm five, six and I go through my life 
then I'm much less present because literally I I I have a part that learned to dissociate from my feelings. So now I'm a kind of a child that's daydreaming. And everybody would say like Daniel's daydreaming. You know, it's cool. And then, and, the and then there's a kind of an embarrassment or a stigma about that that you then fight. I didn't care actually about that one, <laughs> but one might. I didn't care. I was like, yeah. I did. But other things. Then I had another thing I developed after that, which I definitely could use to work on, is competitiveness. So now, because my self esteem was hurt in that event, now I need to prove myself, which I could feel beforehand. I felt no need to prove myself. So now we, I was like playing soccer with friends and super competitive you know with like trying to beat everybody school super competitive trying to prove myself worth because i deep down i felt like i don't have it um Mm -hmm. anxiety about the future like i remember well let's let's and and phrase it phrase it because language is critical deep down in a part felt like it didn't have it yeah well i'm speaking from like how my child self was that okay Okay. child he was, yeah. So as a child, like that's, I guess we could say I still have this, had those parts as a child. Yeah. So one yeah. part of me was feeling like he has no self-worth. So another part was like, I got to be competitive and prove myself to people and be better. And then another part was afraid of not being better, you know, and felt bad every time somebody was better at me at something, anything, you know. And so and this, that's how it affects you. And this all stemmed out of layers of, from one event, multiple parts that then add other reaction parts to react to it. Yeah. That are trying to manage emotions and fighting with each other. Exactly. Exactly. Anxiety then, like learning to like, again, I learned to like, I had a part of me that learned to be anxious about the future. So. And and here's and here's one of the challenges, is when we kind of look at what's going on in our mind, we we tend to look well with our mind. We look with an analytical part. We look with the viewpoint of the judge and go, well, that's wrong. That's bad. That should be doing that. Those emotions are overreacting, right? So we look. A character is looking at it. And our consciousness is inside typically the judge pointing out all the things are wrong or bad. And, <laughs> now, and now we're not really seeing the mind. We're not with consciousness and going, oh, oh, okay, this is happening. We're adding stories. This is wrong. This is bad. Shouldn't be this way. That's an overreaction. You got to make up for it here. That's yeah, also learned. So, so all of those stories are coming from a part, reinforcing other parts. So the stepping out, that's a challenge, but necessary to kind of look and see with no narratives, no opinions about what's there. This is this is when change starts to really have a chance to really happen. Like I got to step out and see it without judging it. And so big. Yeah. You have to see it with compassion for it to heal. Like you have to see yeah. it with compassion. Yeah. And this is what you what you created to deal with that trauma is extraordinary yeah it's beautiful it's brilliant to manage that emotion that painful memory and to wrap it all up and hide it so that you could go on and function during a day and you were doing that at age very young age you're like okay i'm going to 
I'm going to manage all this pain that we'll struggle with when it shows up later as an adult to do. It's like it figured out a way. That's amazing and very typical. And the way it does it is to separate all sorts of things out into parts and narratives and then more parts and narratives. And so that's why this is a typical mind. And by yeah. typical, I don't mean healthy, but it's the it's... mind we all end up with to some degree or another, and that it's our responsibility to help heal. Yes. And let's oh. put that out there. You, you, you end up with that even if you didn't have like what people think of like a big T trauma, you still end up with that in different forms. I have clients who didn't have big trauma, still have stories of not good enough and overachiever and narratives because they still had emotional experiences and made agreements and their will was just as strong in those agreements, you know, exactly. to build false ideas of themselves. Uh, so nobody, nobody gets through to adulthood on with, with with a whole consciousness and a whole mind. It's a divided mind, <laughs> divided consciousness and a divided will. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. That's the awesome journey. Then you're reclaiming that. And this is what all us humans are working our way through. It's an awesome journey, working that way back. Hero's journey. Hero's journey. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to share about today. So that it's like people know it's like, oh, that's what's happening. <laughs> this is my mind. When I watch it, it sure looks like it's crazy. It's jumping around all over the place. One part's reacting to another part. And I feel like I'm all of them. And you're you're like the pinball bouncing between all those different points and being stretched by rubber bands in 30 different directions in tension. And if you go move one piece, that's going to upset everything. So we got to keep so that the... The structure says we got to keep it in place, and yet we know something's wrong about it. And to move things around, fear is fearful to the structure of the belief system and to personas. And yet, that's what needs to be done in order to recover your power, your will, and your consciousness and be whole again. Whether you, you like it or not. That's pretty much the situation we're in as humans. And whether you like it or not, is kind of just a version of a part that tells a story. Oh, I don't like it. it. Shouldn't be this way. This is unfair. It's like, great. You got a part that's telling you a story about this situation. It's also not true and is probably a victim in, or judge in some story of injustice. Great. That part's there. Please step outside of that as well. 
and go, it is what it is. Start, start moving through the steps. Uh, or stay there as long as you like, because here's the thing about human beings. They will suffer as long as they decide to. You know? And they'll change and do the work when they decide to. Yeah, Rufus Garyon, I like it. Yeah, don't make me laugh. <laughs> well, what? what did I say? No, it's true. You're, it's true. Yeah. Well, what? Let's say once you decide to, it's not you're gonna be happy straight away, but then you go on a you can go on a journey to be happy, and it's possible. Or you don't decide to, and then you're stuck. You can go. You go. You can go on the pathway to happiness. You can go halfway to happiness. You can stay After stuck where you are. You know, there's various various processes to do this. Well, it's an awesome journey. Thank you, Gary. One of the best. It's a great one. I learned a lot. This session? Yeah. Oh. Thank you for the extra time getting my ideas organized. I hope that's clear enough. Yeah. Yeah, a peek, a peek it to what's happening in the unconscious, because most all of this characters parts, they're happening outside or below our level of conscious awareness. So what does that mean? They're unconscious automatic programs, interfering with our eating habits, our exercise routines, this procrastination, meditation, anger. You know, it's all. It's all run by these belief systems that we extended our our faith into unknowingly. And you know, when I started when I started teaching this work and putting a process through together for people, uh, what I <laughs> what I came to is like, oh, no matter the person's issue, people were coming to me as coaching clients in the beginning. And I was like, well, no matter the person's issues, we need to cover these basic things. And it's like, and if you have these skills of like, okay, move into being an observer. You're outside these points of false characters. You're observer of them. And you're controlling your attention. And now you can apply some skepticism of doubt to the stories that are there. Like these structures characters start losing power you start gaining power growing in consciousness and the change happens and so this was a self-mastery course like do these exercises you're going to move into observer perspective right you're you're going to see how the stories are made up and they're not true you're going to see the different characters doing what they do and you're going to not believe them when you practice these things and the power will come you'll start to have more and more power and more and more consciousness and they will have less and less. So, and it didn't matter the the issue somebody was having, whether it was self-judgment or perfectionism or fear or jealousy, it was like the the skill set they needed to dissolve this was the same. And get their power back and grow their consciousness, it was the same. 
So that, and that's how it became the self mastery course. I was doing, I was giving the same lessons and practices to each of my coaching clients. At this point, I got bored. I'm like, I'm going to put this online and make recordings because I'm tired of repeating the same thing each time. You know, I know it's going to work. I know this person needs this. Now they need this lesson. Okay, they do this for a couple of weeks. Now they do this for a couple of weeks and then they'll get this one. And then this next one will click and that'll fall into place. It's like, so that's that's how that self-mastery course got created. Uh, to To train a person to be the observer and control their attention and strengthen their will and their consciousness. All right. You want to close out the show? How do you usually close it? This has been... Kind of warm oh, I got you. Go ahead. This has been the... Great. You can't say you're Gary Van Warmerdam, though. I'm Daniel Moore. Okay. Or you're Gary Van Warmerdam. This has been the Awareness and Consciousness podcast about consciousness, will, and the mind, and how we have these wounds and our mind splits off and how we heal them. And you're Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com. Thank you, everybody. I hope you found it helpful. Thank you, Daniel Moore. Thank you, sir.